Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Well, there are times, sometimes days, maybe even weeks, when I can feel like I'm just going through the motions. Working, parenting, working, parenting, hopefully go to bed. (laughs) And yet I continually have this sense that there's something more. There is something more to life than just living, working, and trying to raise godly children so that they can live and and one day work and, and also raise godly children. I really believe that. And how about you? Do you ever feel like you're just kind of going through the motions, taking classes, working a job, going to school, going to bed, wake up, do it all over again? But what if God has different plans than that? What if there is something more than this cycle where we simply rinse and repeat? What if there's something more? And so what I want to do today as we continue our Better Together series with a message on Jesus and spiritual gifts is try to now fully explain about this fully alive life that we're offered in Jesus. I don't know if, if I were to ask you, you don't need to raise your hands this morning, but if I were to ask you, do you feel like you're living fully alive? How many could say, yes, that's me. But yet we have this promise in scripture that Jesus says that I've come that you may have life to the full. And we've been talking about that now for a couple of weeks, but now today I want to kind of bring it all together and help us understand how it is we step into that invitation from Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do. If you're new to Connection Point Church, we say that because we want you in God's Word. We want you in it daily. So if you uh, don't have a hard copy book with you today, you should have uh, Bible access on your phone or tablet. It's called Version. You can download that. Uh, But we would invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word today. We're going to be in a New Testament book called Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, what we have in this passage is a description of the gifts that God gives the church. And if you don't know, that gift is you. You are a gift, and you you need to figure out what kind of gift you are. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. I love that. It is Jesus' desire to fill all things. To fill you, first of all, and to fill others because of how he has filled you. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants to fill us up. He wants to fill the world up so that so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. In case you are unaware, all of those things are alive and well in our world today, but we're not meant to be affected by them. 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. Before we dive fully into this passage on, on spiritual gifts, which is vital for us to live the fully alive life that Jesus offers us. Before we, we do that, I, I want us to kind of go back a little bit and review kind of what we've been talking about, because I, I want to, in one message, summarize what it is to live that fully alive life. How do we do it? And, and what we find is we first have to accept the invitation of Jesus. We can live a fully alive life by accepting the invitation of Jesus. It starts with the words, follow me. Jesus, he's walking by the Sea of Galilee. This is one of my favorite places to visit when we go to Israel. It is the shoreline where Jesus gives this invitation. It's powerful. It's powerful to stand there and know that Jesus gave invitation to people to follow me. Right there. We, we find this in Matthew chapter 4. And, and etiquette at that time, it required a rabbi's disciple to literally walk behind the teacher so he could see what the rabbi was always doing. But it was usually a student. So here's what's interesting. It was usually the student who initiated that relationship. But Peter and Andrew, they, they didn't initiate this relationship. Jesus did. I love that. Jesus, the Son of God, your Creator, initiates a relationship with you. That is powerful. But I also want to say the statement that Jesus gives, it's actually more than an invitation. Look at it. It's a demand. It's a demand. Something more typical of a prophet than a rabbi. The statement, follow me, it's something that requires action. It requires movement. And what happens over the next three years is Peter and Andrew and many others, they're following Jesus by learning to do what he did, to believe what he taught, and to obey what he commanded. That's really what follow me is all about. They will learn to be who Jesus was. But Jesus knew the disciples couldn't do this alone. He would need to depart so that he could send them the same empowering spirit he had so they could live like he did. Here's what Jesus tells the disciples during a final meal that he's having with him. He says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. And I'm sure they're thinking, to whose advantage would it be that Jesus goes away? But he tells them why. He says, because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, plural, all of you. And as shared last week, we can be like Jesus with the Holy Spirit. That's what's required. Jesus, though always God, he deliberately chose to limit his divine attributes and power in order to not only show us who God is, but also to demonstrate us for us what the normal Christian life should look like. Jesus is normal Christianity. And I don't know about you, but that challenges me. And it causes me daily to say, Jesus, man, how can I live more like you today? Because that's normal Christianity. It's, it's a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus emptied himself of his divine attributes so that he could serve as our role model. Jesus used spiritual disciplines to walk with the, the Father and to develop as we have to do. We read in Luke chapter 2, Jesus increased or Jesus grew in wisdom and stature 
and in favor with God and man. So think about this. If Jesus grew, it means he didn't have it all to begin with. That's what that means. So then how did he heal people and raise people from the dead, you might ask? Well, the very simple answer is through Holy Spirit empowerment. And as I shared last week, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Romans chapter 8. If you are discouraged and need an encouraging chapter, go read Romans chapter 8. Jesus used spirit empowerment and spiritual gifts, not his inherent power to actually carry out his ministry while he was on earth. Look, Luke chapter 4, we talked about this last week. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And I know if you've been here, we've talked about this, you should know this, that Jesus did not do anything miraculous until after his baptism and wilderness experience where he comes full of the Spirit. Nothing miraculous until then. And and I know that we like our Superman Jesus who leaps tall buildings in a single bound. And I understand why we like him because then we don't have to be like him if he was Superman, right? But if Jesus did what he did simply because he was the Son of God, we're off the hook. But... And this is a big but. If he did what he did because of Holy Spirit empowerment, maybe we should be going after that too. And the good news is, can I say this this morning? With the Holy Spirit, we can step into that life that Jesus models for us. But it all starts by accepting the invitation to follow Jesus. That's the entry point. So that's the question. Have you made a decision? to follow Jesus. And I, I want to point out, I'm not just talking about a prayer and then calling it good. I'm talking about reading the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you start to look at what Jesus did. You start to look at what Jesus taught. You start to look at what Jesus commanded. And you say to follow him means I've got to do what he did, to believe what he taught, to obey what he commanded. It's more than a one-time decision. It's a lifelong pursuit following Jesus is. And all of this so you, be, you can become who he was. And I want to emphasize again, not on your own strength, that's not possible. But because of the Holy Spirit he sent, you can do these things. Partnering with the Holy Spirit who Jesus sent when you made that initial decision to follow him. Because we can live a fully alive life by accepting the invitation of Jesus. And we can live a fully alive life by developing our character. So I spent a lot of time on this last week, so I'm not going to spend much time on it today. But it's important to remember that the invitation of Jesus is one of abundant living through character development and calling fulfillment. We've kind of unpacked that, but I want to make sure we understand that. And of course, this message, Jesus declares, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You have an enemy in this world that does not want you to succeed, that does not want you to be the gift to the church that Jesus intends you to be. But you also have a Savior who says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so then you've got to step into that life with the Holy Spirit. And when you step into that life, he says, that's abundant living. That's a fully alive life. And I shared in our message on Jesus and death that Jesus invites us to return to God's original intent for our lives. 
To understand what the enemy is trying to steal from us, we've got to go back to Genesis chapter 1 where God lays out for us his original intent for our lives. God says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on earth. So this is God's original command. Be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. This is God's design, God's plan, that we'd be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. Another way of saying that would be to say that we were created for intimacy and influence. That fruitful multiplication requires intimacy and dominion is about influence. But the enemy comes and steals that away. He corrupts these desires and we wind up serving ourselves instead of God and others. That's what happens. But then when we accept the invitation to follow Jesus, the one who lives in perfect intimacy with perfect influence, these things are restored. They're restored because of the Holy Spirit he sent when he ascended to heaven. Intimacy is restored as the fruit of the Spirit. It matures in our life. The love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I don't know about you, but if you know somebody who is described by those characters, that's a person you want to know. That's a person you want as a friend. Because if you're living, loving, patient, kind, and good, you will have close relationships in your life. You will. But if you don't see these qualities in your life, you probably have strained relationships. So what Jesus does is he restores our intimacy through spirit-empowered character development. These character qualities, they develop as we engage in, in something we call spiritual disciplines, things like Bible reading and journaling and prayer, living simply or serving others, enjoying accountability and loving community, gathering on a Sunday morning with other believers as, as we encounter our living God. The environments created by spiritual disciplines are places of guaranteed encounters with God because he's the one who reshapes us and helps us become more like him. I pointed out last week that we don't engage in spiritual disciplines just for the sake of spiritual disciplines. No, those are habits that create environments where we encounter God and he changes us. That's what we're doing because we're after the outcome of becoming like Jesus. So the question is, are you engaging in spiritual disciplines on a regular basis? Are you taking time to read your Bible, to apply it to your life and to pray? Are you in a life group where others can ask how you're doing applying God's word to your life? Are you serving somewhere, either on a volunteer team or in a local organization like Lafayette Urban Ministry or Trinity Mission, practicing the discipline of serving? What about Sunday mornings? Is is this time together a priority where you can gather with others? And this matters because we can live a fully alive life by developing our character through spiritual disciplines. And we can live a fully alive life by fulfilling our calling. Here's where we dive into spiritual gifts this morning. We fulfill our, or step into that fully alive life by developing, by fulfilling our calling. You see, when you were born, you came out with natural aptitudes. If you're a parent with multiple kids, you know every child has different gifts. Some are athletic, some are artistic, some have natural musical abilities, some have a knack for numbers, or a whole host of other talents. In education, we call this multiple intelligences. These natural gifts are a product of God's common grace given to all people. Peter and Paul, they they write about some of these gifts, gifts of serving and teaching and giving and leading, uh, gifts of hospitality, speaking and, and helping. We were all born, our neighbors were all born, our friends and family were all born with natural gifts and talents 
because of the goodness of God to all humankind. Isn't that amazing? God is good before we ever accept him. I love that about the nature of God. Whether or not a person decides to follow Jesus, they've been given natural talents and abilities by God for the benefit of others. Why? Because every person bears the image of God. Every person is the handiwork of God himself. The divine image we bear includes the gifting God has woven into us. We were knit together by God, fearfully and wonderfully made, the psalmist writes. And these gifts are given with a purpose. We've already talked about their purpose from Genesis chapter 1, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Our natural abilities come with an invitation to co-create with God, fill the earth and subdue it so that there will, in, in order for there to be flourishing in the world, that's why these gifts are given. Be fruitful and multiply. I want you to think about this. It's about developing our social world, building families, churches, schools, cities, governments, and laws. And then subdue the earth means to harness the natural world, plant crops. I love that we've got farmers here. That's subduing the earth. Did you consider that? Planting crops, building bridges, designing computers, composing music. I want you to hear this this morning. Human flourishing is God's original design, not man's. It was God's plan that human flourishing would exist. God filling the earth through mankind who's made in his image. But what happens is, is we failed in this mission by disobeying God in shame and fear and corruption. That's not what describes our human condition. Now, some people may still use their natural God-given gifts for good, but, but everyone still falls short of the kind of intimacy and influence that God intended us to live in. We all fall short in that way. But thankfully, when Jesus rose from the grave on Resurrection Sunday, which we're about to celebrate, on Easter, something new began. The first creation, which was marred by the fall, condemned and corrupted, is now being remade and restored. I love that that's what Jesus came to do. He's remaking and restoring. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he then sends the Holy Spirit to restore our intimacy and influence. Jesus restores our intimacy with the development of the fruit of the Spirit. Spirit-empowered development, that's how he does it. And then he restores our influence through Holy Spirit-empowered gifts. These are what we read about this morning. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So we all have an influencing type, a, a functional gift given to us by God for the benefit of the church, really for the benefit of the world. Sometimes we are a combination of these functions, but we usually have a predominant influence in God's kingdom. These gifts are given to bring back God's original desire, the filling up of the earth with himself. They're given for a purpose. Our natural abilities can create wonderful things, but it's through our spiritual gifts we discover a divine power to make disciples, strengthen the church for her mission, and fight demonic evil. And even our natural gifts can be supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see this. Through the Holy Spirit and our spiritual gifts, God empowers his church. He empowers us to bless the world at large. Jesus is filling the earth with himself as you and I live fully alive lives, developing character and living out our life purpose through spiritual gift activation. This is what God's doing today. I want you to understand the state of the world. And then one day, Jesus will return finally and fully to transform our world. This is called our blessed hope. 
The kingdoms of this earth will become the kingdom of our God. God's rule and reign fully realized. Can't wait for that day. Because unlike the corruptive, oppressive, dehumanizing, and enslaving empires of our world, the empire of Jesus Christ will be benevolent, good, humanizing, and liberating. That's the difference. But Jesus' mission will not be complete until every people group in the world has received the good news. And so we have been given spiritual gifts, given to us by Jesus, in order for us to help the world receive the good news. I mentioned before that the COVID pandemic, it has shown us how connected our world is today. And so I want us to consider that in the context of this message. Because if all God's people, you and me, others listening online, and other churches all around the globe, if all of God's people will live fully alive lives, developing character and activating their spiritual gifts, they would impact the neighborhoods in which they live, and the networks that they're a part of, and our part of sharing the good news to every people group, it would be done so that Jesus could come again and finally make all things right. This is what we're talking about with Better Together. When the trailer comes on and says we can reach the world together, this is how that's done. But it takes everyone, everyone apart, everyone on the field playing the game, nobody in the bleachers. I share all of this to help us understand just how important it is for us to understand what our spiritual gifts are. I want to explain all of that so you can understand. You need to know what your spiritual gifts are because if you don't know what they are, then you're probably not using them. And if you're not using them, we're not filling up the earth with Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. So what kinds of gifts did Jesus give us? Apostolic gifts. These are people on the forefront, working on the frontiers, exploring the edges of what's possible. They're drawn to design, thinking about the overall system, and and they have a missional focus. You could describe them as adventurous and and futuristic. They they lay new foundations and are not afraid to push boundaries. And some of us, we have prophetic gifts. These individuals, they question and reform. They're, They're sensitive to God and what's important to Him. They have a love for what's true and right, and they know what needs to be emphasized when it comes time to challenge and confront. They help to realign people or organizations around God's values. Some of us are evangelists. These people recruit and gather. Evangelists love meeting new people and inviting them into new relationships. They're often great communicators. They value the gospel story and have a way of sharing it in everyday ways with everyday language. Some of us are pastor shepherds. These individuals protect and provide. They have a natural instinct to protect communities from danger and provide for community needs. Pastors nurture. They cultivate relationships and and integrate people into networks that foster relational growth. And some of us have teaching as a primary influence or function. Teachers understand and explain. They find great satisfaction in helping others learn truth and wisdom. These individuals are natural trainers, good at systematizing and articulating truth. So the question is, well, how do you determine what gift or blending of gifts that God has given you? Because we've all been given these gifts, but how do we discover them? First of all, I'd say you need to serve somewhere. You can't know what gifts you have until you start serving. And as you start serving, then you determine, am I fruitful in this position and am I fulfilled? And if you are, then chances are that's a place that God has gifted you. Another thing that you can do, another resource is find your place. This is a great book. 
Um, we've got some for sale at the Main Street Theater. If you want one today, you can find it online at your online retailers, especially if you're part of our online audience. It's a great book to look at as it describes what are your gifts, your passions, and your story. Because what we have found, the convergence of those three things, the way that God has gifted you, the passions that are in your heart, and your story is a story that's on purpose. And when you put those three things together, you find a place of service in God's kingdom. You can also go online to a, uh, a gift summary, an assessment that you can do. It's a free assessment to figure out and answer questions. It takes about an hour to, uh, to fill out, but it helps you then to begin to identify, this is how God has uniquely made me, and now I need to find the place in God's kingdom to serve him best to advance his kingdom. If you're in a life group, I actually want to encourage you, go online and fill that out. It'll take about an hour, and then bring that with you and talk about that, and the next time your life group meets. This is a great conversation for you to identify who you are, how God has made you to be, so you can start to live in that function. But what about some of the other spiritual gifts we find in Scripture? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what Paul writes. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. When we look at the context of 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, and this is what I'm pulling out from, we find what Paul calls manifestations of the Spirit, many of those special gifts empowered through something called Holy Spirit baptism. I'm not planning on doing a deep dive on Holy Spirit baptism today because we've talked a lot about that at the church, but I also want to point out the value of where this fits in spiritual gifts because it, it does fit right here. And what we find with Holy Spirit baptism is it something both distinct from and it follows salvation. We find evidence of this in, in John chapter 20, Acts chapters 1, 2, and 8. Uh, we find believers being baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapters 2, 8, 10, and 19. And so here's what I would encourage you if you have questions about Holy Spirit baptism. We've actually had a number of great speakers come and visit with us. I've talked about Holy Spirit baptism a lot myself. And if you go to connectionpointchurch.org slash Holy Spirit, We've got lots of messages there that answer questions on what Holy Spirit baptism is. Uh, it would take a lot of time to get into today, but I want to make sure you understand there are actual supernatural gifts available to you through Holy Spirit baptism. And I would encourage you to both expect and earnestly seek Holy Spirit baptism. That's what Scripture tells us to do. Because with Holy Spirit empowerment, we have access to a variety of supernatural gifts, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Gifts apportioned by the Spirit... As the Spirit sees fit, it says they're available to all, but the Spirit will do it in the way that He decides. Gifts of wisdom and knowledge and discernment, gifts of healing, miracles and prophecy, gifts of faith, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Through Holy Spirit empowerment, Holy Spirit baptism, we have access to gifts that God can use for the advancement of His kingdom. So why wouldn't we pursue that? So I encourage people to seek Holy Spirit baptism. Why? For two reasons for greater spiritual intimacy and greater spiritual power, which is exactly what we've been talking about, influence and intimacy. That's exactly what Holy Spirit baptism is all about. As I was reflecting on this passage, you know, there's, 
There have been times, I've been following Jesus for a lot of years now and was baptized in the Holy Spirit as a teenager. And when I look at this passage, I can think back on my times of journey with Jesus that there have been times where I've prayed and people have been healed. And I've been times where I've prayed and people were not healed. Been times where I have prayed and the Lord's given a word of wisdom or knowledge. And he's done this from time to time as he has saw fit according to the need at hand. And I truly believe all of us have access to those gifts as we seek Holy Spirit empowerment. Does that make sense this morning? So I encourage you, seek it out. Make yourselves available to God, and God will display his power through you as he sees fit. This kind of goes back to what we talk about. We are not in control. And guess what? That's a really good thing, because God knows a lot better than we do. And if we give up control to him, then he'll use us for his purposes. I want to say this as we all seek Holy Spirit empowerment. As we all engage in spiritual disciplines, as we all use the special gifts Jesus gives us, we together can operate as Jesus did and accomplish collectively greater things than he accomplished alone. That's his promise. And what an incredible promise it is that we can collectively live like Jesus and do greater works than he did. I tell you what, I can't wait to see a church that steps into that. That says, I believe that scripture and now let's walk it out. And so then the question is, will we seek Holy Spirit empowerment? Will we engage with the inward, outward, and corporate disciplines we talked about last week? Will we use our spiritual gifts in such a way that we can step into the fully alive life that Jesus promises? Will we take seriously our opportunity to live like Jesus? Jesus didn't hold on to his divine power, but he did what he did because of Holy Spirit empowerment, spiritual disciplines, and spiritual gifts. All of those things we have access to today all of them. Jesus is the original spirit-baptized, spirit-filled, spirit-empowered person. And guess what? With the Holy Spirit, we can follow in in his footsteps. We can live a fully alive life by fulfilling our calling, activating our spiritual gifts. And we can live a fully alive life fulfilling our masterpiece missions together. We can live a fully alive life fulfilling our masterpiece missions together. The Bible tells us that each one of us is born into a world at war, a spiritual war that's existed since the beginning. Jesus regularly addressed demons, sending them away, liberating those who were under their influence. The writers of the New Testament, they go to great lengths to describe the different kinds of corrupt spiritual agents that have rebelled against God and now exercise an oppressive and damaging influence over this world. Terms like rulers, powers, authorities, principalities, and spiritual forces. The writers are describing a massive conflict that is far deeper and more profound than I think we can fully comprehend. When we face things, consider this, when we face things like poverty, disease, illiteracy, racism, and sex trafficking, it's not just human defunction at play, but a systemic demonic evil that's at work. That's what's happening. So how do we fight those things? Not with legislation. It might help, but it won't resolve it. So we go after it spiritually to say hearts have to be transformed if we want to see these things different. We're called to liberate people from slavery in their addictions and sinful desires through the power of the Spirit. This is where our masterpiece missions come in. We were created by God to fight, to love what was good, and to seek justice in the world. So if you feel that way, it's because God put it there. But now you got to go after it God's way, not our way. As the church, because we are the church, we aren't just saved from something. Praise God, we are. God restores us. We're also saved to something. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, I love this verse. 
for we are God's masterpiece. In case this has not been spoken over you, you are God's masterpiece. Do you believe that this morning? God didn't make a mistake with you. He made you on purpose. Are you living in that purpose? He has created us anew. We're going to do baptisms here in a minute. And I love the picture of baptism. A death to self and a rising anew in Jesus. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us. Jesus has created not bad things. He's created good things for you to step into. And Jesus summarizes this mandate for the church with these words. These are the good things. Go and make disciples all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're going to see that done today. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Not just learn them, apply them. Step them out. And it's because of this that we need spiritual gifts. Because we can't do this without Holy Spirit empowerment. Jesus has given us spiritual gifts so that we can multiply disciples and fill the earth with his followers. That's what we're going after. And God's mission, I will say this, will have as many manifestations as there are different people. For some, participating in that mission will mean spending time with disadvantaged children, reading to them after school, coaching a team, or mentoring teens. For others, it may mean reaching out to your neighbors, having them over for a meal or a movie, hearing their story, finding ways to serve and encourage them. For others, it will mean spending time with seniors in nursing facilities, some of whom are left alone because of broken relationships. Or it might mean working to end racism or human trafficking or serving in a women's shelter. For still others, it means serving a cup of hot soup and sandwich to a homeless person on a cold day. We are collectively called to make a difference in every sector of society in every corner of our world. And what I love about knowing the people in this congregation, I don't know you all deeply, I wish I did, but what I know of those that are here is God has made everyone uniquely, has given you different passions and desires, and if we pursue those, empowered by the Holy Spirit, Jesus fills up greater Lafayette. I long for that day, but we've got to step that out. Uh, I had uh, Andrew Farmer, our, our, our creative arts director, create a, a visual, because I like visuals, to kind of explain. This summarizes what we've been talking about, that for us to enter into this fully alive life, which is a spirit-empowered life, our inputs, and I think we've sometimes mistaken, like, I'm a good Christian, so I just need to read my Bible. Great, but you're reading your Bible for a reason. It's actually, that's just the inputs, because what should happen if you're not only reading your Bible, but applying it to your life, is then you step into these outcomes of you start looking a lot more like Jesus. I can't tell you, one of my favorite things for people who make a decision to follow Jesus is after seeing them about a month into that decision, they look different. Their countenance is actually different. Why? Because when you encounter the living God, death starts to escape your body, and there's new life there. So we've got these inputs of spiritual disciplines and spiritual gift activation. So I'm talking, I want to put this in the right context this morning, because I'm not saying we just do these things just to do those things. No, we do those things because what happens is we start gaining back and restoring the intimate relationships we're supposed to have with other people. 
and with God himself, our creator. And we start to step into the influence that God has created us to make in this world in which we live. And so those are the outcomes of the inputs, but here's what the best part is. And then we start to impact our neighborhoods and our networks and in our networks and neighborhoods as God is, is being, as Jesus is filling up in us, now we're bringing Jesus into these environments and he starts to fill up those areas too. This is the way it works. So I wanna put all these in the right context this morning. Yes, the inputs are important. You should be reading your Bible, but not for the sake of reading your Bible, but because as you encounter Jesus in the word, you start to look like him. And as you start to look like him, you start to make an impact with your life that God designed you to do. Unfortunately, what happens is that so often, we're trying to do this on our own, make our own impact with our life apart from God, and guess what, it just doesn't work. It doesn't last. It will become hollow and meaningless. I want to tell you that now. If you want true fulfillment, then step into the life God has for you, that fully alive life that Jesus offers, because that's where real goodness is found. That's where real life is found. What I want us to understand this morning, here's the profound truth I want you to walk away with. Every believer is a movement in the making. Every believer. You are a movement in the making. I think we have cut ourselves way too short. You are a movement in the making. Here's what I mean by that. In, in the natural world, every seed, consider this, every seed is the potential for a tree. Every t- tree is a potential for a forest. But we also recognize not every seed becomes a tree, not every tree becomes a forest. So what's the difference? Environments. Environments. And so holds true for believers. So although every believer is a movement in the making, if you don't put yourself in the right environment, you don't see movement happen. So what I want to put before you this morning is, are you putting yourselves in the right environments, the inputs, so that you can be that movement and create impact like God intended? That's what I want you to consider this morning. John writes about this when he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father honors him. So this is what John is writing about here, that we put ourselves in a place where we encounter Jesus during times of Bible reading and prayer, during times of serving others or singing alongside other believers, during times of sharing his good news in word and action. What happens is, is we're doing those things on the inputs. We're dying to self. Our false self is being removed. Our true self is emerging. And we are a movement in the making. I want to explain this both horizontally and, and no, vertically, all right? Vertically, horizontally, we get that right. And timelines. I was thinking about this uh, my parents, uh, Bob and Brenda, so they're visiting this, this week. If you haven't met my parents, meet my parents. They're awesome people. And uh, I was thinking about w- with them coming. So my dad, his background, he grew up in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. And growing up in Seattle in the household that he was in, it wasn't really a godly household. I mean, they, they attended church kind of off and on. But he had not really had an encounter with Jesus. And so then as a, a 16-year-old interested in a girl, he asked about dating her on Friday, and she said, only if you go to church with me on Sunday, which I want to say, I don't recommend that method. It worked in this case, but please don't follow that as a pattern. But sure enough, so they went out on Friday, and, and he went to church with her on a Sunday. 
But going to church with her at an Assemblies of God church like this one on a Sunday, Pastor Marcos was speaking a message that burned in my dad's heart and he couldn't get away from. I love that. A girl named Connie (coughs) made it so I'm here today. Isn't that crazy? And that's not my mom, by the way. So I should probably preface that. So I'm sorry. I'll explain where that kind of comes in. (laughs) But I love the fact that this girl understood if she's going to get in a relationship with someone, that person needs to know who Jesus is because that matters more than anything else. And so my dad, he just couldn't get away from it. So for a week and a half, he's at night trying to pray, but it's like he just can't. He's too emotional to pray. And so about a week and a half later, he tells Connie, like, look, this is what I'm struggling with. And she leads my dad to the Lord in her house on a a Wednesday afternoon. And that forever changed the trajectory of his life. So I want to talk about vertically a movement in the making. A 16-year-old girl who convinces my dad to show up to a church building, who then gets to know other guys at that church. So even, you know, a couple of months later, they're no longer uh, in relationship with one another. That's okay. So he's plugged into a Sunday school class that he's now growing in Christ. He goes overseas. This is Vietnam era, so he's in the Air Force, and, and comes back from overseas, goes back to that church, reads in the Pentecostal Evangel about a church in Rapid City, South Dakota, where he's about to be deployed to Ellsworth Air Force Base, shows up at that church, meets my mom, and forever, life is different because of a Connie who, who convinces my dad to follow Jesus, who I grew up in his household. He's engaging in spiritual disciplines. I wind up doing the same, and now I'm in front of a congregation today. Do you see how that works? That's why I say, you are a movement in the making. We don't know where Connie is today, but guess what? That doesn't matter. And so no matter the importance you want to place on your own life, you have the potential for movement just by saying, it's important to me. Jesus is important to me, and I want to make it important for others too. Does that make sense this morning? So what kind of legacy will you leave with your life? That's the question vertically, generationally. But then I also want to look at that horizontally. We've talked about Dick and Jen who are in Saudi Arabia. We, we were a part of sending them there. And if you're on Facebook with them, Jen talked this week about a gal, newer who she'd been ministering to, who made a decision to follow Jesus, who then led her brother to follow Jesus, who then, as this brother, leads eight of his friends to follow Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So then you have this horizontal movement of generations of people following Jesus. That's a movement in the making. So I just want you to understand your inherent value. God calls you a masterpiece. And if your creator calls you a masterpiece, it doesn't matter what anyone else in this world has said about you. It doesn't matter. Tell him, take it up with God. Not that he'll squash him. God is loving. But you know, God is good. And he calls you a masterpiece, a movement in the making. So the question is, what kind of legacy will you leave with your life? It all starts by accepting the invitation of Jesus to follow him to develop your Christ-like character with spiritual disciplines, to find and live out your calling or life purpose. And then what happens is the outcome is you start fulfilling the masterpiece mission God has for you. And as we all do that together, I love this, Jesus is filling the world with himself. He's filling the world with himself. And as we encourage others to do that globally, Every people group in the world will hear the good news that Jesus came to set them free and he will come back to finally and fully liberate this world and set all things straight. We have our part to do, so let's do it because Jesus will surely fulfill his part too. You are invited to live a fully alive life in Jesus, fulfilling your masterpiece mission with others. So will you accept that invitation today? 
There is an epic battle between good and evil that goes far beyond our personal goals for success. I want you to hear that this morning. There is an epic battle between good and evil that goes far beyond our personal goals for success. And God is looking for some unlikely candidates who are willing to say, God, I want to get in on the battle. Will you be one of those unlikely candidates? I love scripture for the fact that you look at the people that God uses, and surely you can put yourself in one of those characters and say, well, I guess he can use me too. No one's exempted from that. What we need to understand this morning is that Jesus has so much more for us than to just live work to provide for our families in order to raise godly children so that they can live, work to provide for their families in order to raise godly grandchildren so that they can live, work, provide, raise godly great-grandchildren so until Jesus comes again. God wants us to live fully alive lives for his glory in such a way it impacts the peoples of earth. That's what he, that's what he wants for us. That's what he has for us. And you've been invited to live that kind of life. So the past two weeks, I've recommended two books, uh, The Celebration of Disciplines by Richard Foster and Find Your Place. I would put this before you this morning. If you did nothing else but dove into the content there and establishing your Christ-like character, identifying and start to live out your calling, if that's all you did this year, that would be a magnificent year for you. It really would. So that really would be my encouragement, and we'll continue to work through God's Word and and, and apply these things to, to our lives. But if you did those two things, spent your life doing that, that would be an incredible year for you. It would be an incredible year for your family. It'd be an incredible year for your workplace. It really would. What kind of purpose could you wake up with if you were living that fully alive life? What kind of difference could we make in the greater Lafayette area if we would live that life together? How much different could life in your home be if you were growing in love, kindness, goodness, and gentleness? You need to be living a fully alive life for yourself, for your family, for your neighbors, and for all those you interact with day to day. In the right environments, I want to put that before you, in the right environments, you are a movement in the making. So be that movement. I invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as you're standing, I want to give invitation today. Are you here today and you realize you've not been living a fully alive life? But today you'd say, but I want to. I want to enter into that space of living fully alive. And maybe the reason you've not been living that is because you've never made a decision to really follow Jesus. Maybe you prayed a prayer 10 years ago, but it really didn't mean a whole lot more than that. But now you understand following Jesus isn't just that one moment. It's a lifetime of journeying with Jesus, of reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, starting to do what Jesus did, to really be who Jesus was, to believe what he taught and obey what he commanded. And today, are you ready to say, I want to follow Jesus like that? So with every head bowed in the room this morning, just want to give you a space for that to occur. Who here today would say, that's me. I've not been living fully alive, but I want to today. I want to follow Jesus. Who here today would say, that's me. Today is my day. Over here in the middle, anybody else that would say, that's me. I want to live fully alive. I want to follow Jesus. I love that Jesus initiates that conversation. Jesus is calling out to someone today, saying today is your day that you get to accept that invitation and follow me and enter into the life that I've prepared for you, the good works I've prepared for you. Who here today would say that's me? I want to follow you, Jesus. 
God, we just pray right now that you would begin to speak and work into the life of the one that raised their hand. And maybe there's others that have made that decision online too. Maybe there's others in this room that, that know they need to make that decision. And so God, I pray that you compel them by your spirit to say, I'm not gonna live differently than how my savior desires me to live, but I wanna step into the life he has for me. So God, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit come right now, invade this space. By your spirit, may we all begin to live the fully alive life that you've offered us. And Lord, as we sing a song, but then as we transition to water baptism, I just pray that, that you would compel people here today that maybe have not followed you that way, that they would follow you today and be baptized, dying to, to their old self and arising into the new life that you have created for us. So Jesus, we just trust you for that work today. In your name we pray, amen.